Welcome to day 360 of Shaped by the Word. I am Paul here with Matt and David and Katie as uh, we continue in our third season together, the story of the prophets, and it's been a rich season of seeing, you know, the textures of both, you know, God's judgment, God's discipline of his people, but his desire to gather and to restore, uh, you know, not just, you know, simply uh, the spiritual fortunes of his people, but to restore all of creation and to see all of creation with one heart and one voice singing the same song on the same you know, page together, declaring the glory of their creator and experiencing that. So we've been reading through the prophet Joel, uh, who's used a locust, you know, as an image, uh, a picture of natural devastation that becomes a picture of judgment through the nations and moving through and ravaging Israel. And of course, as a reminder of our own spiritual leanness when we walk away from God uh, as well. So we come to the end of uh, uh, Joel uh, where we have a common theme, you know, that is in the prophets, you know, God's ultimate and final judgment on the nations. So we talked about his restoration of Israel, but there is another part to the day of the Lord that is great and terrible, uh, you know, for, for, for good reason. Uh, good news to so many, but devastating news, uh, you know, to so many others and something we should be, you know, deeply aware of. So as we read... Um, we read with reverence. We read, you know, with holy fear. Uh, we read with hope uh, for God, uh, you know, to move in a way to turn people to Him. And uh, of course, we read in a way to be responsible uh, for what God has, uh, you know, blessed us with and called us to. So, before we read, Katie, you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? Not at all. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. You are compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And we are so utterly grateful that we serve and worship a God who describes himself in that way. And not only describes, you not only describe yourself that way, but you are true to that description. So thank you for being such a God. Um, and I just pray Lord that you would as, as we finish out this, um, this book, this prophecy, would you be with us? Would you meet us where we are? Um, and Spirit, would you do a work in us today? It's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Joel chapter 3. In those days at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I'll put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people Israel, because they scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. They cast lots for my people and traded boys for prostitutes. They sold girls for wine to drink. Now, what have you against me, Tyre and Sidon, and all the region of Philistia? Are you repaying me for something I have done? If you're paying me back, I will swiftly and speedily return on your own heads what you have done. For you took my silver and my gold and carry off my finest treasures to your temples. You sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks that you might send them far from their homeland. See, I am going to rouse them out of the places to which you sold them, and I will return on your own heads what you have done. I will sell your sons and your daughters to the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, a nation far away. The Lord has spoken. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Arouse the warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weakling say, I am strong. Come quickly, all you nations from every side, and assemble here. 
Bring down your warriors, Lord. Let the nations be roused. Let them advance into the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge the nations on every side. Swing the sickle, for the harvest is right. Come trample the grapes, for the winepress is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near, the valley of decision. The sun and the moon will be darkened. Stars will no longer shine. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. The earth and the heavens will tremble. But the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. Then you will know that I, the Lord your God, dwell in Zion, my holy hill. Jerusalem will be holy. Never again will foreigners invade her. And that day the mountains will drip new wine, and the hills will flow with milk, and the ravines of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of Achaos. Uh, but Egypt will be desolate, Edom a desert, because of the violence done to the people of Judah in, in the land in whose land they shed innocent blood. Judah will be inhabited forever in Jerusalem through all generations. So I will leave their innocent blood unavenged. No, I will not. The Lord dwells in Zion. So we come you know, to the end of uh, you know, Joel uh, with the promise of restoration and promise of hope and also uh, you know, a pronouncement of judgment. And we're reminded of how God revealed himself you know, to Israel from the very beginning. We read it you know, yesterday. I am the Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God, so to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, you know, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. But I will not leave the guilty unpunished. And uh, we do see the final judgment taking place along with the restoration of the fortunes you know, of Judah. Yeah, and even you know, in all this, I, one of the things and maybe even saying it this way since we've been studying the prophets is just how many times have we seen in the prophets you've you pointed it out but you know this this message of you know hey you've been caught in your sin repent if not judgment you know but there is this kind of longing and this hope for future restoration that comes as well and kind of the pinnacle of that every time you see god talking about you know then i will act and i will restore you and i'll bring you back Verse 17 captures it well. It says, Then you will know that I, the Lord your God, dwell in Zion, my holy hill. Jerusalem will be holy. Never again will foreigners invade her. You know, but kind of that marker of restoration is not, you know, you'll get restored to a great land and that'll be great. But then you will know that I am the Lord and I dwell among you. You know, and that's that covenant formula and that obviously gets picked up for us in the New Testament. But just when, you know, one of the greatest things the Lord does is not just restore our fortunes, but restores our fortunes that we may we may know him and be with him. Yeah. And, and one of the common things, you know, we, we react against, you know, as a prosperity theology, which is a theology that, uh, you know, calls us to be true to God for the benefits that we gain from him. Uh, but we, we need to understand that there are incredible benefits to walking with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it comes to those who, who, who not covet his blessings, but covet his presence. Mm-hmm. And when we have his presence, we have his blessing. That's one of the Old Testament themes as well, where God is present. He is present. He's present either to judge or to bring you know, blessing. And uh, that's a picture of what is you know, happening in the nation of Israel. And it's been interesting. You know, this is one of the ironies you know, of the prophets that God has used the nations uh, to judge Israel. But he also holds the nations accountable for the manner mm-hmm. in which they have judged Israel. And so ultimately God will call us all into account, not only for 
uh, the things we've done, the motives we've had, and all of these are you know kind of rich themes there. But uh, one of the big ironies of Scripture is, I'm using the nations to bring out you the consequences of your sin, but they also must face the consequences of, of their sin. And I guess you also see one of those themes, Paul, of just kind of scattering and gathering, which seems to be a consistent theme all throughout Scripture, kind of seen obviously a little bit of that in the garden with Adam being cast out, but then, you know, Babel, the people are scattered, and then they kind of gathered again in the nation of Israel, scattered in exile, and, you know, kind of Jesus coming on the scene, he gathers the disciples, they leave him at the cross, kind of scatter, and then he gathers them again, sends out his church, and then I guess the final judgment, right, is the gathering of the nations to enjoy the salvation, but also here is kind of allusion of the gathering of the nations to be put on trial, which mm-hmm. sounds really scary after reading this passage. No, absolutely. And, and, and of course, that's one of the major conventions of the prophets. And we're going to see that as we continue in this week through Malachi as, you know, that God calls them into you know his courtroom in order to uh, make his case against them. And of course, when God makes his case against it, there's no one, you know, who ultimately can stand, you know, before his, you know, before his judgment. That's so interesting because, I mean, think about what it is to be justified by the blood of Jesus. And, you know, he is the only one who could stand before, um, before God and be righteous. Um, and that he did that for us. And it's not mentioned in this specific passage, but earlier in Joel, just the, how, um, and the, the day of the Lord, there will be such darkness um, and there will be an, an absence of the Lord's presence. And I just think of that moment when Jesus did die on the cross and it just went completely dark. And and um, I just, yeah, I think about how he faced, he faced that judgment for us um, and he spared us from this terrible, terrible judgment that there, that, you know, Joel's describing, God's describing through Joel here. Um, yeah, it's just, I think it's very sobering. Um, but also at the, at the same time, it's so encouraging to know that we do have a God. It's just one more reminder that we have a God who will, um, fight for his, for his namesake, um, because they have asked, these nations have asked, where is your God? You know, they have, they have, um, what's the word mocked the name of the Lord, you know? And, um, and so he's fighting and he's showing them the power of his own power. Um, but also he is protecting his people and he's so to, to us, that's so it's so encouraging and good that we have a God who will bring judgment and justice um, where justice needs to be brought. Uh, so, and we don't yeah. have to be the yeah, ones. God who is, you know, glorified, you know, both in his judgment of sin, you know, he upholds and proves his character, but also the surprising part is not that, you know, that a holy God judges sin. The surprising part of all the scripture is that a holy God would justify sinners. Mm-hmm. And bring them in, and of course, here Joel, you know, says, "Gather the people you know, to the valley of decision." In this particular instance, the decision is the final verdict, you know, mm-hmm. coming from the Lord. But there is there is a moment of decision for us, mm-hmm. you know, as well. You know, that is very, you know, very important that we see God's grace and we see God's mercy and we respond, 
you know, deep way. And, and I love the connection you made, you know, that, you know, just the sun and the moon will be dark and the mm-hmm. stars will no longer shine. You see this in a lot of ancient you know, uh, literature is just a description of a catastrophic day. Mm-hmm. This is literally fulfilled, you know, in the darkness that hovered over the cross, mm-hmm. which was an exercise of God's judgment mm-hmm. on the innocent one and, and on our sake. And it's also a foreshadowing of the, the darkness of those uh, who have not accepted the verdict that God has given on the cross, mm-hmm. and, and so it is a it is a vivid picture of, of that all the way through. Dave, do you mind closing us uh, with a word of prayer? No, let's pray. Father, above all else, we do thank you for the, the cross of our Lord Jesus and how He bore um, the punishment and the judgment that was due to us. And so we do thank you for Christ, the innocent one who took our place. Uh, may we marvel more and more and more at that good news and may that good news have a transformative effect into our hearts and our lives and may we live as those who continue to invite others in to experience uh, the new life that can only be found in christ jesus we pray this all in his name amen Amen.